0: open our Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. He was talking about the times of ministry when the body of Christ came together. So that is our endeavor. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to obey all the commands I am giving to you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey His commands. Yes. He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out. And your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this, if you forget the Lord your God, And follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. Listen, O Israel. Today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall, descendants of the Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out, just as the Lord promised. After the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we are such good people. No, it is because of the wickedness of the other nations that He is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are to occupy about to occupy the land. The Lord your God will drive out these nations ahead of you only because of their wickedness. And to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, You must recognize that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land because you are good, for you are not. You are a stubborn people. Deuteronomy 32, beginning with verse 44. Verse 44, it follows a song that Moses has sung, a song which is referenced in Revelation, a song which is sung before the throne of God. Verse 44, so Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun and recited all the words of this song to the people. When Moses had finished reciting all these words to the people of Israel, he added, take to heart all the words of warning I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so that they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a." Long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. That same day the Lord said to Moses, Go to Moab, to the mountains east of the river, and climb Mount Nebo, which is across from Jericho. Look out across the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the people of Israel as their special possession. Then you will die there on the mountain. You will join your ancestors, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and joined his ancestors. For both of you betrayed me with the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance." but you may not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 34. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, All the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days, until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. Joshua Chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hivites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as He has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. They answered Joshua, We will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you need us. We will obey you, just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. Amen. Fourteen minutes. To read those chapters. Can you find 14 minutes in your day to read four chapters out of God's Word? Father, thank you for your Word, your truth, your revelation to us. Your Word tells us that you have given us the history of Israel, not only part of your work to bring the Savior to us and us to salvation, but so that we might know from their example how you have called us to live as followers of Jesus Christ. We pray today that your word would not find a shallow place in our hearts. May we receive it wholeheartedly. May it bring conviction, repentance. May it be a hammer that shatters and a fire that purifies. May it be water that refreshes our soul and bread that nourishes us. For we do not want to be spiritual weaklings who fail to fulfill your purpose in our generation. So, O oh God, Speak to us, work in us, transform us by your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we begin, let's ask ourselves this morning. Today, will I merely be a hearer of God's truth or will I listen attentively Take to heart what I hear and be transformed in my thinking so that I can fulfill God's complete plan for my life. Title of our study today is Blueprint for Success. Do you like the word success? We all do. And we are going to be answering the question The opposite of choosing failure is. Let's look for a few moments at the big picture. The big picture is captured by a verse that we have used over the last two weeks from Psalm 33. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, but the purposes of His heart through all generations. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of His heart through all generations. That is the big picture. The plans of God are rooted in eternity. God is a forever God. He transcends time and space. And whatever He is doing today he has already made plans for in eternity past. The plans that are being worked out in time and space, however, also have future eternal implications. They have what I have phrased is an eternally determining fulfillment at the conclusion. Of human history. Think of those three words for a moment eternally determining fulfillment. We see that picture when we open to Revelation chapter 20. We are told that everyone who has ever lived will stand before the throne of God, the books will be opened. There is a set of books with your name on. And in that book is everything that you have said, everything that you have done. There's one there with your neighbor's name. There's one there with your friends at school. There is a book with everyone's name on it. Everything that we have said, everything that we have done is recorded in that book. There is a second book. It is called the book of life. Every person's life will be scrutinized. And then it will be compared with the book of life. The book of life that was written, Revelation 13 tells us, when the Lamb was slain before the creation of the world. You see, the plans and purposes of God far transcend human history. And we read these words. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The plans and purposes of God began before human history and have an eternally determining fulfillment at the conclusion of human history. A second aspect. Of the big picture. God does not deviate from His plans and purposes. The Bible says that God views the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46 and verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. God is always at work, Jesus said. My Father is at work, at His work, to this very day. God is always working in every moment of time and always measuring each person and what is being done according to to the end, even if it is thousands of years in the future. You and I are not separate from that dynamic. We are part of God and His plans and purposes, determined before the beginning of time, in which He is engaged right now, And He is looking at our lives and what we are doing to see how we are carrying out His plans and His purposes. Thirdly, each generation and every person within each generation has a God-assigned role to fulfill. Every single one. In Isaiah 41 and verse 4, God speaks. Who has done this and carried it through? Calling forth the generations from the beginning. I the Lord, with the first of them, and with the last, I am He. You and I can easily open our Bibles and see that God is engaged with Adam. The beginning of human history. But then as we continue to read, We find that people become disengaged with God. By the time that God came to Noah's era, he could only find one man who was engaged with him in his purposes. And God was grieved that he had even created humanity. Imagine. It is amazing to think of God. He is both eternal and transcendent. And yet he is so deeply invested in every moment that while he has made all of his plans and addressed every contingency and unknown, in the very beginning, still as he continues to carry out his purposes, he is so deeply invested in the moment that his heart was filled with pain when he looked at how people were living. And he was grieved that he had even created humanity one man was walking in step with god god started over with noah it wasn't that long however until people were once again planning their own lives establishing their own agendas and purposes remember the books will be opened and it will be revealed whether or not we have fulfilled God's assigned role for us. At the end, every generation and every person will be accountable for what they have done according to God's purposes. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So let's look at this issue of success. If failure is a choice, then what makes a generation successful in accomplishing the purposes of God? But if we're going to talk about success, it's also very important that we define success. What is success? Don't we love promises like Psalm 20 and verse 4? May He give you the desire of your heart. And make all your plans succeed. Can I get an amen? Amen. That will preach in any congregation. May the Lord give you the desire of your heart. Oh yes, I know what I want. And make all your plans succeed. What does it mean for God to give us success? What does it mean for God to make all our plans succeed? Pastor, author, and missionary Francis Chan said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding in things that don't really matter. God has been dealing with a generation that has horribly failed. No generation was given a greater opportunity. No generation was intended to be used more greatly by the Lord than this generation. 400 years God earlier God had made a promise to Abraham. This land that you are walking through setting up prayer altars, and seeking me, I will give to your descendants. God went on to say, but it's going to be 400 years. First of all, they're going to be in a land where they're with a people whose language they do not speak. But after 400 years, I will bring them out of that land, back to this land, but not before then. For the basis of my judgment against the people in this land will not be full until that 400 year mark. You see why God said to Israel, I'm not driving them out because you're so good and you deserve this. For the people in that land, time was up 400 years. And their judgment was full, and God was going to lead his people in and give them the victory. So after dealing with the generation that failed, could not trust God, could not walk with God in light of all that he had shown them and done them, could not understand the purpose for their lives, except for Joshua and Caleb. God gave Joshua this blueprint for success. Read it with me. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. Do you see the blueprint for success in the eyes of God? So, what is the opposite of failure? The opposite of failure is not success. The opposite of failure is not success. It is obedience. It is obedience. It is being careful to obey all that God has commanded. Understand this, friends. It is careful and conscientious obedience. We are guilty, egregiously guilty, of assumed obedience. What does it mean for something to be assumed? Assumed is the opposite of intentional and deliberate, assumed is fictitious. It looks like something real, but in reality, it's a hollow representation with no actual substance. Many, many Christians walk with assumed obedience that it's enough for me to come to church, it's enough for me to sing, it's enough for me to be identified as a Christian. But God has said, be careful to obey everything I have commanded you. Continuously, day and night, study this book so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Again and again and again throughout Deuteronomy. Moses has said to this generation that is going in, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. When we do some things, we assume. We're so familiar that we assume. We drive roads that we always drive. We don't think, now, where do I turn? What is the name of that street? We're so familiar with the landmarks. We do it unconsciously. We can become so familiar with the things of God that we aren't careful anymore. Exact, deliberate, or conscientious. We asked the question earlier from last week. We readily affirm love for God and obedience to His commands, but diminish their absolute nature and their applicability to our own lives. As though certain aspects of faith Obedience and commitment are intended for other people, but not for us. A true disciple of Jesus, however, is measured by his obedience to all that Jesus has commanded. Your children, by this point, whether they're 18 like Kingsley, whether they are 12 or 13 like praise your children already know whether or not they should tithe how important it is to be engaged in ministry within the body of Christ how much evangelism matters how important prayer is. They've already learned from your example. This previous generation had failed miserably in setting the example, and they were unfit for any further use by the Lord. The mirage of success. What is a mirage? It's something that's not really there, is it? It looks like it, but it's not there. The mirage of success. Anyone can be successful, especially in America, right? That's why so many Hindus from India want to come to America. So many people from other nations who have far different beliefs want to come to America because anybody can be successful in America. Hard work opens doors of opportunity and advancement, right? Hard work opens doors of opportunity and advancement. Solomon tells us that that is so. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. The reality is that many of us and many in the larger body of Christ are successful, but it is not because we put the Lord first. We are successful Because we are serving the world system in the manner that it rewards. We are serving the world system in the manner that it rewards. Would you like a real life example? Here it comes, ready or not. The world system rewards the time that you invest in study and sports, by conferring good grades and scholarships. In the eyes of many parents, teachers, coaches, that will make you a success. Will God look at those achievements and call you successful? Does He say that your first priority is to study hard and do well on your SAT? Will he affirm you for your good grades and call you a success? Even if you do not make his word and obedience to his word the priority of your life. You see, we are surrounded by examples of people who worship other gods. If you are a Hindu, you worship 400 million gods and goddesses. If you are Muslim, you worship Allah and reject the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you don't believe in anything at all. But we are surrounded by people who are successful because the world system rewards success. What does God reward? You and I can have success by the standards of the world system. But when the books are opened, it will not be to our credit. It must be success according to God's system, not the world system. Let me ask you, as parents, a question. How many of you have been upset when your son or your daughter brought home a bad grade? Come on, be honest and raise your hands. How many of you as parents are happy with C's? Not one. Now, how many of you as parents have asked your children, who did you witness to? Who did you tell about Christ today? So what's more important to us, friends? Good grades or being a witness? When your sons and your daughters stand before the Lord, what will be more important to Him? Being a witness or getting good grades? Let's study these words for a moment that God has spoken to Joshua. God gave Joshua a 24-7 priority. But it seems like our busy lives and our pressing priorities have determined that God's revealed priorities are obsolete that we can only compete in this world on its terms and not according to God's priorities. Oh, how many people have come from another nation to hear and said to me, Pastor, I wish I could do more to serve the Lord or to be in church, but it's so hard here in America. I can't. Doesn't God's word apply to every person in every era and every geographical area? Friends, that is a lie. It's a satanic lie. We read the words that Jesus quoted when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. If you really are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Satan has always been about this thing. If you really are, then. But the response of Jesus when he said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God was a response that emphasizes the truth that we, including him, the Son of God, are no better no stronger, no more successful than we are in loving and obeying the Word of God. Even for the Lord Jesus Christ, there was no exception to God's blueprint for success. Love is revealed by commitment. If you love your wife, You run around with other women? No. You're fully committed to her, aren't you? You are my one and only. Love is revealed by commitment. Commitment is emphasized by priority. Honey, I'd really love to spend time with you, but I've got these other things I need to do. No, commitment is evidenced by priority. Priority is proven by the investment of time and effort. It is not words that count, as Dot pointed out to us. It is the actions. The Apostle John said, Let us not love with our tongues and words but in actions and in deeds, just as Christ loved us and laid his life down for us. Love is revealed by commitment. Commitment is evidenced by priority, and priority is proven by the investment of time and effort. So how do you and I measure up to God's 24-7 priority? And what is his 24-7 priority? And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. God's word is his 24-7 priority for us as individuals, as he spoke to Joshua, and for us as families. Your number one job as a parent is to make sure that the Word of God is 24-7 in your household. We read a fair amount of Scripture this morning. Three chapters and a portion. We did so in 14 minutes. Is there not 14 minutes in your family to read the Word of God together? Some of you do. Some of you sit down, read together the Word of God every day. But I also know from aftershock that in some of your homes, the Word of God is never read. You get no more than when you come to church on Sunday. By Tuesday, scientifically, you now remember 10%. By Thursday, you remember 3%. By next Sunday, when I ask you, you won't remember anything. God's measure of success. Success by any other measurement, no matter how important or how necessary it may seem, is, in the verdict of God, failure. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, We read these words last week. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Why? I haven't included the entire response. But the entire response says, when you, when your family, when we, We're slaves in Egypt. God redeemed us and brought us out. And for that reason, the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear Him so that He can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as He has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. I've shared with you before that everything that took place with Israel is a spiritual representation of what we have experienced. Egypt is a type of the world. The red C is a type of baptism. The deliverance is a type of God saving us, bringing us through baptism, and then making covenant with us as He did with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And then we begin our journey of following the Lord, growing in obedience as true disciples, allowing God to use us for His purposes, so that his plans are revealed to the people around us, which was his intention for Israel in every generation, to be a testimony for him to the surrounding nations. And what is his purpose for you and me? To be a testimony to the surrounding nations. For we will be counted as righteous. Do we make ourselves righteous by what we do? No, we don't. We understand that we have been justified by faith and declared righteous on the basis of Christ's merit, not on the basis of our own works, but we also read in Revelation 19 that to the bride of Christ, fine white linen was given her to wear. And then we are told the understanding of fine white linen. It is the righteous deeds of the saints while they were living here and following the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the lives that we live here will follow us all the way to heaven. As the Apostle Paul said, whether good or bad, whatever we have done in the body. It is significant for you and I to also recognize that the blueprint for success that God gave Joshua is the same blueprint that was followed by Jesus. I came to fulfill every word in the law. I only do what the Father has commanded me to say, and I only say what the Father has told me to say and how He has told me to say it. I do nothing on my own. You and I need to take it to heart, for it will be the basis of whether Christ says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that I have prepared for you or depart from me. I never knew you. Let's take a moment to pray and then I want to share one last thing with you. For the next couple of minutes, you have heard the word of God, I never share anything with you except what we find in God's word. I never give you a nice idea. I never tell you something to make you feel good. I am accountable for representing the Lord exactly as he has revealed himself in his word. So what has God's Word said to you today? Where do you stand in light of God's Word? What happens in your family in light of God's Word? Is it a 24-7? Is God's Word a 24-7 priority in your life? How much time and effort do you invest in God's Word? To read it, to study it. How much time is invested in your home? Time and effort in God's Word. Father, we don't want to gain the world but lose our souls. We don't want to be successful in this life only to have you say, but you didn't obey me. You didn't follow every command. My word was not first place in your life. So, Father, we pray that your word will convict our hearts, strengthen our hearts, inspire us today, and that this week will look far different in our individual lives and in our families. May your word truly become our 24-7 priority. We pray that we would surrender the idols that we have erected. The things that we have devoted our hearts to, whether they range from TikTok or something else of that nature, to our own belief that this is what we must accomplish in life. Father, we pray That there will be no other paradigm for our lives except your word as we have heard it today. Lord, some of us have so little familiarity with your word. Your word says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And when we open our mouths, it's evident that there is a famine of the word in our hearts. How could we ever do your will? Fulfill your purpose or hear you say well done? Father, I pray that you will convict us beginning with me And that from this day on, we will walk in the light of the truth that you have spoken to us today. Father, you will not reward me for preaching good sermons. And you won't reward us for Sunday morning attendance, only If we have fulfilled your purposes. Only if we have carried out your plans. God, we pray that we won't confuse our plans and what we think is important with your plans. But may we immerse ourselves in your word so that we know your will and your purposes and so that we are fully surrendered to you. You have promised that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, our heavenly Father will take care of everything else. We pray that we will take you at your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.